Well, everyone, welcome once again to our Church at Home online service at South Beach Church. This is week 11 of quarantine, and we are so stoked that you're tuning in with us now or possibly even streaming this down the road. And our goal is very simple. It's actually not that complicated. Our goal is to get into God's Word and to get God's Word into us. Because as you get God's Word into you, you're reminded of the things that have happened. That way you're encouraged, and you're also instructed on the things that God wants to do in you. You see, he's spoken to us in the past and he's with us right now in the present and he's with us also in the future. And I'm so stoked that you guys are here tuning in with us and thank you, Quarantine Carl, for giving us that great introduction to get into the service today. And we're gonna go right from here, listen, into a time of worship. Pastor Ryan has again put together a, a set for us to worship the Lord, to set our attention and affection upon God during this time. Again, the variables are unique and diverse. There are people right now with little phones and earbuds going up into their head and they're watching in that way. There's other folks that are uh, together with family and friends or maybe you're doing a watch group or a life group or a watch party at your house. Whatever the case is, our goal and my goal, I don't know what your goal is, but my goal and our goal as a staff is to create experiences and opportunities for you to touch the Lord and to be refreshed in His presence and redirected in your pathway. There's all kinds of ways you can do that throughout the week, not just here on Sundays or whenever you're streaming this, but you can go to our website, southbeachchurch.org, and there there are all kinds of ways to tap into the resources we've provided for you and link in with the pastors that are here to serve you, and there's Sunday school curriculum you can download for your kiddos, and One Life Group had a great model. What they were doing is every week they gathered together and they choose one adult or maybe a couple to download the Sunday school material and then to take care of the kiddos that week and to be the Sunday school teachers to raise these kids up in the things of God and then the adults, the rest of the watch party, they watch the service together and they rotate that responsibility. I thought that was really cool and beneficial. There's also on our website ways you can contact us via the watch group materials and the life groups that we're assembling this week. We're super excited to right now and in the future when we get back to the building, but right now, for sure, to help you guys and gals take this time and not just twiddle your thumbs and wait for things to go back to normal, listen, but instead, to let the Lord use you in new ways and rhythms and paths. He wants to do something fresh. Right now, quarantine and shelter in place, don't waste it, man. God's doing things in the interim before we get back to the building. He wants you to maybe step up and be a host or a life group leader or a Sunday school teacher at your house. So go online, check all that stuff out. Also, don't forget to email us at southbeachchurch at gmail.com and get us your email address so we can get you on the Pastor Marty newsletter and connect you with what's going on at South Beach and the heartbeat behind our pastoral staff. Also, don't forget our five by five reading program. Right now we're in the, this is so crazy, you guys. If you're doing this with us, okay, we've been, we started in the book of Mark and then we jumped into the book of Acts and, and I get a little convoluted here. I think we did James and then we went back into another book after that and then we did Matthew and then we're in, right now though, it's kind of all that matters, we're in Romans. I downloaded this off our website. You can get this on our Facebook pages way in May 24th. That's the Sunday that it is now. I'm filming this at my house. Welcome to my casa. And I'm filming this on May 20th, 2020. It's 2020, not Tony, Tony, Tony. That's a long time ago, but 2020, 20. And so today though, 
is the 20th and Sunday is May 24th, which means you're going to be reading Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans 8. Man, if you don't got three or four or five verses memorized out of Romans 8 yet, you best be getting in Romans 8 right now and memorizing some of those verses, beginning with Romans 8, 1. Memorize that verse. And then as you get to Romans 8, 28, memorize that verse. And Romans 8, 27, and then Romans 8, 31, and 32, and 33, and all these verses, man. Just stay in the book. God hasn't brought you this far just to bring you this far. This is so exciting, you guys. If you're a Christian, if you know him at all, you're just zooming along and learning who he is. God wants to confirm in you the promises of God, the scriptures of God. Listen, not just so you can benefit from them, for, for sure benefit from them, but so you can then be a, a giver of them, so you can teach others, so you can help others along your way. Memorize scripture. The Bible says in the New Testament that what God puts in you, he will remind you and then extract it from you. The Holy Spirit will remind you of the things you need to know when you need to know them. But he can't remind you of the things you don't know because you never knew them. Does that make sense? Okay, rewind that and play it again. He can't remind you of things you don't know, the things you haven't tucked away. So get in the book, read the Bible. Why? You need it, check this out. And the people that you're going to encounter in your future days, they need it as well. They actually might need it more than you. Sometimes I'll be reading my Bible in the morning and I'll be honest because I'm honest and I'll think, well, I know this portion. It's not that special in this moment to me maybe I just because I've read it so many times and yet the Lord is refreshing the pump and, and, and priming my senses because somebody needs that verse. It's not just always about you. It's not just always about me. We do what we do for one another. So I want to encourage you guys. Speaking of do what we do for one another, one of our most important ministries at South Beach Church is Celebrate Recovery, where there are men and women who gather together on Tuesdays. They've been doing this on Zoom, that platform online, and they gather together to be refreshed in the recovery they're walking in, but to celebrate other people's recovery and to help in any way and to kind of give and take. Here's some really exciting news. Because of our phase one mandates, 25 and under, we have chosen to take Celebrate Recovery and to make that our inaugural group that actually gets to go back to the warehouse and begin meeting this Tuesday. Okay, the men are gonna meet, 25 or less, in a big circle. There's no food, no childcare, no coffee, nobody's gonna be touching anybody. You're just gonna come in, you're gonna sit down, and you're gonna celebrate recovery. And then shortly after that, the women will come in, and all the details you can find on our website or from Pastor Adam Durkin, you can email him, and the men will gather, 25 or less, and then the women will gather, 25. We're so excited. The staff got together and we thought, could it be? Could it be that we go back to the building? You guys know that meeting on Sundays back in the building opens up so many different variables and cans of worms, if you would, with childcare and with parking and sanitization and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. It's, it's virtually, literally impossible to do on Sundays right now, but we can do these smaller groups. So be praying for our Celebrate Recovery. They meet this Tuesday. Again, you can email Pastor Adam Dirk and his contact infos on our website at southbeachchurch.org. Uh, the last announcement I would say before we go into worship now is that our youth group is also uh, scheduling meetings, Zoom meetings and online games and things where they're doing, where they're gathering, but also 25 and under, we're putting some events together, six foot radius and encouraging people to bring a mask if that's where you're at in your comfort level and don't show up if you're not healthy, all those things that we're very 
all aware of. But our youth group is getting back in action too. Pastor Rory Van Wyk is doing a great job with our youth group. So check out all those on our website. There's an Instagram page for our youth group as well. And uh, hey, here's what I'm doing now because I don't want to waste any more time. I just want to exhort you guys. I just want to encourage you guys. This is happening, whether you like it or not. Okay, we are right here. Murder hornets and toilet paper shortages and 15 minutes. You guys notice that for, for the state of Oregon was open for 15 minutes before they shut it back down. And there's, it's just nuts. Okay, and, that, and Psalm 131, 131 has been kind of my safety net. In Psalm 131, the psalmist says, you know what, Lord, there's things out there that are just too big for me to understand. I don't get it. So I've chosen to trust in you. That's a paraphrase, okay? But that's the idea. The coronavirus and where it came from and is it a conspiracy and how long will it, is it really here and is it really that bad and, and should, I really, should I wear a mask? Some groups say do it. And should I wear a mask? And some groups say don't do it. Listen, I honestly, in those realms, I don't have any solid answers for you. I do have this answer though for you vertically. It's too big for you. So what you can do though is trust in the Lord. Pick that battle daily. Where are you going to put your hope? The psalmist said in Psalm 73 that he had lost hope because of the chaos horizontally down below. It was too much until he went into the house of the Lord and was reminded of their end. Guys, I have to do this daily, and I want to encourage you to keep doing this. Don't get caught into schisms and divisions and weird battles that you just don't even know what you're talking about. Instead, engage full-heartedly in the things you do know. God is good, and life is tough, and I'm not going to confuse the two. I'm going to run to my maker, to my helper. I'm going to look to the hills where my help comes from, the maker of heaven and earth. So I'm going to pray right now. We're going to worship. During this time, just draw in, get close to the person next to you and, and seek the Lord. The Bible says that the people who seek the Lord must do two things. They must, number one, believe he is. Just, he is, he is. When you close your eyes and you sing, he's there. He is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we made an opportunity for you to seek him right now. I'm probably watching this at my house, on my couch. You'll see a selfie later. I'll put it on Facebook. I'll email it to the church like Quarantine Carl asked us to do. But I'm gonna worship with, the, with my kids and I'm gonna worship the Lord and we're gonna, we're gonna enter in. So Father, in Jesus' name, would you, Lord, help us during this time to not get bogged down by those things that are too lofty for us. They're, they're too intense. They're too much. Help us not to worry about those things, but instead to major on the majors, to minor on the minors to trust you in all things, to be pleasing to you, to be, Lord, beneficial and profitable to others. Just like Daniel was in Babylon his entire life. Not a place he wanted to be in unfortunate circumstances. But Jeremiah wrote him a letter, and in chapter 29, Jeremiah said, hey, Daniel, pray for the city you're in, for in its peace you shall have peace. And so, Lord, would we be those people that are like-minded that say, you know what? I wish it were a little bit different here, and I wish I could change that, and I wish I knew what's really going on but I don't. And so I will pray for my city. And I will pray to the Lord that he makes me a peacemaker, that he makes me more like him, that I keep my eyes on the prize. So Lord, would you bless us now as we go to worship, tenderize our hearts. Lord, tune in our minds. Speak to our spirits. We love you so much, Lord. We worship you because you're worthy of it. You are worthy of our praise. Forgive us of our sins. 
All the things that we bring, Lord, are so offensive. And yet you, Lord, invite us to yourself. So would you burn away the dross now? Burn away the stuff? Heal the pain, Lord, those who are suffering right now and lonely and dealing with loss. Lord, minister to them in your presence. There is pleasure and great joy, perfect peace in your presence, Lord. So lead us to yourself, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
Well, everyone, welcome back from our time of worship. I hope again you had a time to connect with the Lord 
and for him to reorient your priorities and your perspective. Because you see, while we're on a horizontal journey, we're really going to a vertical destination. And man, we get it twisted. And one of the best ways to get it untwisted and straightened out uh, is by worshiping the Lord, just singing to him. And I, I, you don't have to go to a church to do that. We do do that at church. But I do that, we do that, you should do that everywhere we go and along our journey. So what we're going to do now is we're going to worship the Lord, not with singing, but with studying. We're going to take our Bibles now and we're going to look into God's Word as a light for our path and a lamp for our feet that we might know how to walk accordingly in this journey. So take your Bibles. Now check this out. Check this out. For the last three weeks, we've been in the book of Nehemiah, the great book of Nehemiah, but we're going to go even further back in the Bible, not to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, or Joshua. Check this out. But to Judges, the seventh book from the beginning, Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, take your Bibles and turn there now, and I would remind you what the Bible says about the Old Testament. It says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 11. It says, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age have come. Paul said to the church at Corinth, that the Old Testament examples were for our learning and our admonition. Paul also said something I want you guys to consider in Romans 15.4. I'll find it in just a minute. Romans 15.4. Paul said that the things written in the Old Testament were written for our learning and for our comfort and for our hope that we might understand what's going on around us. I'll read it to you. He said, whatever things were written before were written for our learning. We're going to study by learning and worship by studying, that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. Stop right there, eyes up here. How cool is that? Patience, comfort, and hope. <laughs> Let's just again time out. Is this real life? COVID-19, shelter in place, whole state shutting down, not just whole state shutting down, man. Everything shutting down worldwide. We need patience and comfort and hope. You're going to find that in the book, okay? Earlier this week, I was brainstorming with the staff as far as the teaching and the worship and the plan, all that stuff, just trying to sense God. And I just sensed the Lord. I really did, saying, don't go ahead of schedule until you go into Judges. And I just kind of told that to Pastor Ryan. I was like, I think I just, I need, we need to go to Judges. I just feel the Lord. It's been 11 weeks now. I've just been trying to listen to the Spirit, and we're in Judges 6. And so last night when I got home finally from a busy, busy day, Tuesday, I went upstairs and I started reading Judges chapter six. And I text Ryan, I was like, man, I'm so glad that we decided that we'll go to the gold mine of the Old Testament in Judges six and see what we can find because I was finding so much gold. So I'm gonna say a quick prayer. You should be again in Judges chapter six. And I'm gonna ask the Lord to bless us and to bless me as I attempt to preach to this camera with only one person here, my beautiful wife <laughs> standing in the background. But I'm gonna pray right now. Lord, in Jesus name, I thank you for your word. Lord, that you have given it to us as a map, Lord, for our lives. Lord, as you've given it to us as a tool, Lord, that we might understand and use in those difficult days. But not just that. You said your word is alive. It's active. That it actually restores our souls. That it actually, Lord, does things that we cannot do. It discerns our thoughts and intentions. Lord, your word does not return void, but it accomplishes that which you set it out to do. And we are needy people right now. And so, God, would you bless this time I submit myself to you, Lord, both as your teacher now on May 20th, 2020, but also, Lord, as your student as I'm listening on May 24th, 2020, and for the rest of us as well. Lord, thank you that you transcend all time 
in all generations. We look to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Check this out. I'm going to rip through as much as I can in the short time that we have. And I want you guys to listen to what Quarantine Carl said. Get your notes out and get ready to lean into some stuff because God's going to speak to you and he's going to tell you what you need to know and how to apply these things to your life. Now, you should be in chapter six. Let's set the stage. Go to the verse right before the first verse of chapter six, the last sentence. Listen to this. It says, so the land had rest for 40 years. This is right after Deborah, the judge, found herself walking in victory in Sisera and they found themselves leading the troops and they were victorious and there was 40 years of blessings and plenty and rest, man. Look at the next verse. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. (laughs) Whoops. Guys, this makes so much sense to me. There are times and days in our life where there's just peace and rest and joy and goodness and God's provision and prosperity. Yeah! And yet prosperity can often lead, listen, to complacency. And I wish that weren't true. Don't you wish that weren't true? I'm just going to say it. And you can break this rule. You can break this rule. But, But here's the rule. The rule is prosperity often leads to complacency. Now, you don't have to do without in order to live large. You can live large and do with. But the tendency is, when things are super easy, man, we just get lazy. We get distracted. Man, we get weird. Search your own heart. I'll speak for myself. I know and have proven this to be true. Now, let me just go ahead and speed us up a little bit. Here we are in America, 2020. It's been pretty good. Things are really going good. I speak for myself and on behalf of most people. And yet there's a temptation to become complacent. And it is my conviction right now that the Lord says, I love you so much, Luke. I'm going to shake things up. I'm going to flip some tables. I'm going to get everyone's attention, okay? And I'm going to use whatever means I must, whether it be a virus worldwide or a bounce check in your own portfolio. God's going to use everything and anything in your life in order to shake you up and wake you up to make you up to take you up. We've been seeing that. So check this out. These guys have this time of peace that leads to then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Listen, verse one goes on. So God... The Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Did you see the correlation here? Peace, prosperity, blessing. Yeah. Well, laziness and despondency and distraction and then sin. And so God says, oh, you're going to just live sinfully now? You're going to live smallly? Well, I'm going to let your enemies come over and take over for seven years. That's what it said there in verse one. I want you to understand something, though. This isn't God being a bad guy. Oh, here comes the Midianites. I'm mad at you guys. You know what this is? This is God being a good guy. Oh, you're distracted. You're complacent. You're not producing fruit. Wow, I really love you. I I love you so much that I'm going to allow some things to get get your attention. I'm going to allow some things, difficult things, to get your attention. You see, God loves you so much just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. And if you, and I'm talking to you, if you're not where you need to be and God sees that, he'll allow Midianites. He'll allow aggravations. He'll allow things into your life because he loves you. Jesus said it's called pruning. Where there is fruit in your life, you're walking with him, but Father knows best. And I could prune this back and, produce more fruit and it could be that you're doing great and yet God still wants to prune you so you do greater it could be that you're 
falling asleep and you're just not where you need to be. And the Lord says, I'm going to discipline you because the Lord disciplines those who he loves. You see, God uses a variety of ways to correct our course. He's a course corrector. As a matter of fact, if you've ever driven on Highway 20 there right by Eddyville, if you drift into the left lane onto oncoming traffic, they got these little bumps, these grooves that say, don't do that. And if you drift to the right side where the bikes are and the you know, guardrails are, there's these little bumps, these divots. And they, they make your tire make all this sound. I call them drunk bumps for the people who might be drunk and you know, drifting. Uh, they also call them rumble bumps. But I've come to realize in my life when those things start to be loud and wake me up, they're actually humble bumps. They're the things where I'm getting out of my lane and they're designed by God to get my attention, to humble me. Because God wants to do a work. As a matter of fact, if you're with me driving and I hit those humble bumps, you know, everyone in the whole car is, what the heck, dad? You know, and God's not judging you when you hit the humble bumps. Everyone in my car judges me like I'm a crazy driver. Truth be told, I am. But God's going to allow you and will allow you to hit the humble bumps because he doesn't want you to wreck your life. Have you gone through a season recently of stuff coming out in your life, getting your attention, affecting your direction. It is God's love for you. Now, here's the deal. We all process differently. And the way the children of Israel processed, though, it took not just a few minutes on the humble bumps. Seven years, the Midianites ravaged the children of Israel. We're going to see that in a minute. For seven years until finally, listen, listen, listen. After seven years, they're like, let's pray about this. Let's ask God to help us out. And I think to myself, why'd they wait seven years? Uh, sometimes we are stubborn. Sometimes we don't want to repent. Sometimes we'd rather blame other people for what's going on in our lives. Let's check out the story. It says, verse two, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. Oh no. Things went all cray-cray for the children of Israel, for God's kids, because of the Midianites. The Midianites were an intense group at that time. They had military weaponry that was more developed than any other nation in that day. In that, listen, they used camels in warfare. (laughs) They would get on camels and drive around and ride around and beat up their enemy. Can you imagine trying to fight a bad guy is one thing. Trying to fight a guy who's been mili- you know, militarized or whatever, and he's on a camel. And that's what these guys would do. We'll see that in a few minutes. And so it drove this agitation, this problem, because the children of Israel sinned and God sent the Midianites. It drove the Israelites to caves and to dens. Man, they had to shelter in place. They were under house arrest. They had to cancel the Olympics. The NBA was canceled. Disneyland shut down. This was a bad time for the nation of Israel. But it didn't just last 11 weeks or 15 weeks, or until September, seven years went by. And I just, I want to encourage you right now, if you're under oppression, outside of the norm that we're all dealing with, but you're just, man, you you did some stuff, and now you're experiencing some stuff. Don't wait another seven minutes. Don't wait another seven seconds. For sure, don't wait another seven days. And please don't wait another seven weeks. Never wait seven years. Check this out. Verse three, so it was, here's the, how bad it was. Whenever Israel had sown, that is made 
crops, the Midianites would come up and also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them and then they would encamp against them and they would destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels. There's those camels, those tanks, man. They were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy. Stop right there, eyes up here. It says that even when the Israelites would try harder and work smarter, that even that would get ripped away by the enemy. I'm just going to tell you right now. When you're living in sin, rebellion, smallness, carnality, compromise, okay, even your hard work will be fruitless. That's some scary stuff right there. Because I like hard work, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to do this and get that. But when you're living in sin, you do this, you don't get that. It comes to nothing. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. And if you're trying to compromise right now and live in sin or justify some sort of hardened heart or rebellious attitude and you think it's okay, dude, even your hard work will be fruitless. The Lord's busting me up when I even read this stuff. Like, Luke, I don't want you to justify any sort of sin or compromise or rebellion. It's not honoring to me. The reason you're in this mess right now is because of the sin in your heart. Don't let that sin go undealt with. Because even in your hard work and your dedication and your prowess, it ain't gonna work. Until you let the Lord do a deeper work in your heart. Because the heart of every issue is an issue of your heart. Let's keep reading. It was bad days for them. Verse six, so Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Stop right there, eyes up here. Now verse six tells us that they were impoverished because of the Midianites. But the reality is the reason they were impoverished is because of their own sin and rebellion. The Midianites were secondary. You guys realize that, right? I've been saying this the whole time. The the situation they were in, the consequences they were dealing with, that was an effect or a cause, or should I say, an effect of the cause, which was their sin. Here's the problem, though. We're quick to blame others for the situation we're in, when in reality, the Lord doesn't want you to worry about them. He wants you to quote that little girl on the internet, worry about yourself. He wants you to worry about yourself. It's a distraction to wonder if the government is doing their job right. I'm honest. Okay, I voted. Hope you did too. But it's a distraction to wonder whose fault it is when the Lord says, you know what, man? Worry about yourself. Look at this. As a matter of fact, verse 7. And it came to pass. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites. It's it's all backwards. (laughs) Lord, help us. Look at this injustice. And look at these people. And the governor's making us stay homes and all these things. And we get mad. I get it. Okay, I get frustrated too. And the Lord says, what if I'm doing something else? What if I'm actually looking at your heart? And we want to blame our spouse and blame our kids and blame our government. And the Lord says, don't do that. I got that. Did you know that the Lord has the government under control? Like he's doing just fine. He has your spouse. He has your boss. He has your kids under control. You don't need to worry about them. You really need to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up in due season. So the Lord knows what he's doing and he wants us to deal with ourselves. And so they cry out, check this out. This is so good. I'm trying to teach this because I want to get to the part that I want to get to. And you don't even know where that's at. So just buckle in. Verse eight, then the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel. Stop right there and eyes up here. They pray, Lord help. So God sends them a prophet. This prophet comes in with a cape. He comes in with a plan. 
He knows how to un- open up the country and he knows how to figure it. No, that's not what he does, actually. <laughs> Guys, just pay attention right here. They pray for help, so God sends a prophet who's going to give them the truth. This prophet actually shows up. I'll, I'll read it in a minute. He shows up, tells them the truth, and then bounces. He doesn't actually help them. <laughs> this is hilarious. They think they're going to get delivered, and they will, but not before they get dealt with. They will be delivered. It will get back to normal. It's going to be a great day. Total deliverance. Miracle power. Not before they get dealt with. And let me just go ahead and make sure you know where I'm at. I want to be delivered like yesterday. Let's go. Let's go. And the Lord says, no, I got a process. I'm running you through, Luke. I'm dealing with you. There's things that they need to be processed before we go back to the church, before we go back to normal. I want to do a deeper work in you. And he doesn't want us to fast track that or speed things up. As much as I would love that, the Lord knows best. So check out this prophet's message. This is so good. So this prophet shows up, verse eight, right in the middle. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. Stop right there, eyes up here. The prophet begins with saying, guys, remember how you were delivered? Do you remember how God saved you? You were in bondage in Egypt. You had no hope. You had no strength. You had no future. And what did God do? He rescued you and he delivered you. And you've been delivered. One of the best things you can do right now in quarantine, shelter in place is to remember where God has delivered you from. To rejoice in the fact that you're not the same person you used to be. Now that'll turn that frown right upside down into a big old fat smile. You know, remember what the Lord has done. If you forget what the Lord has done, chances are you're going to be walking in the camp of the stinking thinking, making a mess for yourself and getting all mad. Well, the first thing he says is, guys, God brought you out of Egypt. Look at verse 9. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. And I drove them out from before you and I gave you their land. Stop right there as appear. Not only has God delivered us from bondage and from oppression, but he's also delivered us into power and provision. Guys, God has given to you all that you need to live godly in Christ Jesus. He has given to you the promises of God in Jesus' name. He has given to you everything. He has taken you from your past and from your stuff, and he has delivered you then into his inheritance. You're co-heirs with him. It's an inheritance that doesn't fade or rust or be destroyed by moth or stolen by thieves. And yet if you don't know that, if you don't have this eternal perspective in your temporal journey, you're going to get it twisted right here. You're not going to understand it. God desires the church right now more than ever before to not get distracted by our temporal things, good or bad, because we are eternal beings. Remember when Jesus rolled into Jerusalem in Mark 11, a couple days before he would die? He rolled in on the donkey, fulfilling prophecy. And the Bible says he went to the temple and he flipped the tables. This is the place of worship, the church. He went to church and he tore the place up and he bounced. He didn't stay there. He bounced. He didn't stay at church. And then the Bible says a few days later, he went back to church. You know what his disciples said? This boggles my mind. His disciples said, hey, Jesus, have you noticed how cool the church is? It is so legit. And they pointed out the stones there on the southern steps of the temple. And they were legit, man. These stones were 40 feet wide and 20 feet thick and weighed tons and tons. And Jesus looked at the stones, looked at his disciples, 
and he went into the Olivet Discourse. Here's what he said to them. Not one of these stones is going to remain. Not one. Now, they looked at him like, what? What you talking about? This, this, is, this is sick. He said, no, it's not. It's not about this place, guys. It's about you and your walk with God. And then Jesus, in order to explain himself, like, hey, Jesus, what do you mean it's not about the church and about the temple and about these stones? What do you mean? What do you mean? Jesus went on to give the Olivet Discourse, which is, by and large, a sermon, listen, about the future and about eternity. He didn't want his boys then, nor his church now, to get so entrenched in what's going on now. He wants us to be people of faith. Every day, everywhere we go. And so this prophet shows up. He says, guys, he delivered you from the past and he has given to you your future. If you're future-minded, okay, you're gonna be temporally set at peace. Well, he goes on, check this out. Verse 10, also, I said to you, I'm the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Okay, remember, that was the message he gave him. Look at the final word from this prophet before he leaves. But you have not obeyed my voice. <laughs> Time out. Seven years of oppression. Let's pray. Let's pray. All right, Lord, you see these bad Midianites? They're so bad. Come get these Midianites out, off our backs because they're so bad. Amen. So this prophet shows up, like, yeah, the prophet's here. We're going to get hooked up now. And the prophet's like, uh, God delivered you, and then he provided for you, and then he told you to not get mixed up with these other gods, but you didn't obey. Peace. <laughs> and he leaves. This is kind of fun. It's so fun. Because we just want to, I just want to hit the easy button, easy button. Hey, just fix it, fix it, fix it. And the Lord's like, no, no, I, two, two things. Mercy. I am going to fix it. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to fix it. Truth. You got yourself in the fix that I'm going to fix because it was your mistake that got you in the fix that I'm going to fix that was designed to fix you in the first place. The truth is, you got yourself here. That's the truth. Ah, man, tough days. The mercy, I'm going to deliver you. You can't have one without the other. You can't have just truth. You ever do that before? You ever just tell somebody that they're a horrible person? Just walk away? <laughs> I mean... That's not, I need the rest of the message. You ever tell somebody that they're perfect and have no problems? Well, that doesn't help anybody either, okay? You gotta find a counselor, capital C, counselor above, the great counselor, and he's gonna tell you the truth that technically, and I'm, no, not even technically, for real, you deserve this. You deserve this. You deserve worse than this. But I'm also gonna be merciful because I love you and I got a plan for you. And I'm going to move you through this. So check out what happens next. This prophet bounces, kind of just answering the first part of the prayer, which is the truth part. Verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came. Capital A, angel. I don't have time to develop this, but this is a theophany where God would show up in the flesh in the Old Testament. In those days, the Bible tells us that you can't see God in the flesh, otherwise you'll die. You just can't see him. But God would make amends and he would make forbearance in that he would take upon flesh in the form of his son and he would come in the likeness of men so men could meet with God himself. Not only is this a theophany, that is God showing up, it's a Christophany. Christ showing up, Jesus in the Old Testament showing up. The prayer went up, Lord help us from the Midianites. The prophet shows up and says, guys, you did this yourself, but I did hear your prayer and I will deliver you through my son. I'll send them to you. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. 
but you do need it. Now the angel of the Lord came and he sat under the terebinth tree, verse 11, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, while he, his son Gideon, threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord, that's Jesus, appeared to Gideon, him, and he said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, verse 13, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Stop right there as of here. I didn't actually mean to read that many verses. This is funny. Jesus shows up and you got Gideon. You guys all know Gideon, man. Gideon. He doesn't start out super strong. He has a couple weird days. And the Lord shows up and he says, Gideon, mighty man of valor. What up? The Lord's with you. Now, two things come to mind. Number one, according to Gideon, the Lord wasn't anywhere to be found. He's like, oh, nah, the Lord ain't here, bro. And secondly, you think I'm a mighty man of valor? Uh, no, I'm not a mighty man of valor. I'm hiding in the wine press, threshing the wheat. You guys know how this would, would work. The wine press was low and it would be where the juices and the grapes would be crushed and the wine would be captured and all the rest and it would be low. But the, the threshing floor was on a high hill and they would take the wheat at that time and they would thresh it, separating the wheat from the chaff. Then they would throw it up in the air and the wind would come along and it would blow the chaff away and the wheat would drop down and they would repeat this process until it was just the wheat, the chaff was gone. Well, Gideon is in the low place threshing the wheat. Why? Well, we know why. He's scared. He's not a mighty man of valor. He's scared. He's hiding out. And so Jesus shows up. Hey, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. Uh, okay, that's not how I would uh, interpret the situation. And guys, guess what? Your interpretation of the situation is usually wrong. God's declaration of the situation is what we need. That no thing formed against you shall prosper that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, that there is no thing that shall separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, that the promises of God are yes and amen in him, that he who went away to prepare a place for you would come back to you and take you to be with him forever. All these promises. Your interpretation of temporal realities pales in comparison to God's declarations in his word. Now, check this out. A few things, a few things. Gideon is called by God a mighty man of valor, but... In reality, he's just hiding out. And I want to just talk about how the Lord sees you. The Lord doesn't see you based on your own potential or your own batting average. The Lord chooses to see you, his kids, created in his image, with potential in God. The potential that lies within you, mom, dad, guy, gal, whoever you are, young or old, the potential that lies within you God sees that that potential is greatest when coupled with him. I know who I am. I'm Luke Frechette. I'm not that great. But I have come to know and to trust the Lord and that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The scriptures are full of stories of God taking nobodies and using them to tell everybody about a somebody, which is him. He takes nobodies like me, nobodies like Gideon. He says, hey, Gideon, I got a job for you. It's going to be great. Why is it going to be great? Because I'm in charge, the Lord would say. And if you're a Christian right now, surrender your life to the Lord. Let him use you. Stop 
coming back with excuses. Isn't that crazy? Gideon pushed back right away with excuses, sniveling, whining, baby, scared, complainer. And you know what the Lord said to him? Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? (laughs) What? Gideon's threshing the wheat in the wine press. Jesus shows up and says, hey, mighty man of valor, God's with you. (laughs) Is he really? Have you seen how bad it is? Man, it's been so tough. Can't believe we're still on lockdown, all this stuff. He just begins to whine and moan. And you know what the Lord does? The Lord just smiles, waits for him to be done with his little blubber babble, his little pity party. You done? Done yet? (laughs) I mean, he keeps going. This guy's like an orator. He's got all these ways to complain. Careful. And the Lord says, cool, glad you're done. And the Lord said to him, go in this mighty ears. What might? Let's just be honest. Gideon is doing two things here. Number one, he's a baby and he's hiding from the Midianites. He's scared. That's a slander term these days. Oh, you're just scared. You're scared of the virus. Are you scared? You're scared. You know, you know crazy. You know? Or he's super smart. He's hiding out. They're not going to find him. He's going to get the job done. He's going to be successful. Either way, the Lord says, I'm going to use you in spite of you. And how is this going to work, Gideon? Because I'm with you. I'm with you. Look at what he says in verse 14 again. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. I see you, Gideon. I see you. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Stop right there. Last sentence. I've got it circled. Have I not sent you? (laughs) That's it. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. If the Lord builds the house, it's going to prosper. And if the Lord doesn't build the house, it doesn't matter what kind of foundation you have or what kind of material, how smart you are, what resources. You labor in vain. And if the Lord is for you, who can be against you? This was an impossible feat to be delivered from the Midianites. Seven years of bondage. They had nothing. He's overridden by camels. And now the Lord in his mercy said, I know, I have a plan. You are being disciplined for your own sins. I was shaking you up to wake you up, to make you up, to take you up. I know what I'm doing. But now I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna use you, Gideon, O mighty man of valor. Have I not sent you? Two of my favorite verses in the Old Testament are Zechariah 4, 6 and 2 Chronicles 16, 9. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. God says, I am looking for people to use who are just loyal to me. That's it. I want to use them. You don't need to be strong or smart or bigger. I'm strong. I'm smart. I'm big. He's looking for people. Zechariah 4, 6 says, you know what? When I use you, it's not going to be by your might or your power. It's always going to be by my spirit, says the Lord. As a church planter and a church leader and a disciple and a father and a husband, and a friend, and a brother, and a son, okay? I find the greatest hope, peace, rest, and purpose in who God is in me. Not who I am to him, but who he is in me. I'm just like a glove. You ever put gloves on to go gardening? Imagine if you put some gloves on and you gardened and just made an amazing, fruitful array of flowers and produce, and somebody came over to your house and said, can I see your gloves? You're like, yeah, what, what for? Well, those gloves are the ones responsible for this, aren't they? Aren't the gloves the ones that did all the work? (laughs) And essentially, you might see the connection and say, yeah, I suppose the gloves did it all, but no one's going to think that way. (laughs) And you who are believers, Christians, moms, dad, leaders, just be a glove. Okay, okay, okay. And just use me, Lord. Use me. Use me. Verse 15, so he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. Okay, Gideon has the same reaction you and I and most of us would have, which is, are you sure, Lord? I'm not that tough. I'm not that big. I'm actually kind of a dumb dumb. 
and I don't know if you're gonna make much success through me. Look at verse 16, and we're almost done here, guys. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. That's a promise, guys. Now, I'm gonna just sit in this for a second with you. We know the rest of the story, chapters seven and eight. We'll we'll get there in the week to come. Gideon didn't know how the Lord was gonna deliver him because the Lord didn't tell him how. Even on the very last day of battle, the Lord didn't tell him how he was gonna do it. That's great news for you and I who are in complex situations, difficult days, confusing times, because I still don't think that the Lord's gonna just show us exactly what's going on or how it's gonna work. He's not gonna do that. It's not, not the way it works. But instead, the Lord has promised to be with us. And that's more important than how is in who. We wanna know how. We wanna know what's gonna happen and where it's gonna go. And the Lord says, how about you focus on the who? Not the World Health Organization, but the who, capital W-H-O, who. Is he with you? Yeah. Is he at your church? Yeah. Is he at your home? Yeah. Is he at your life group? Yeah. Is he with you on your commute to work? Is he with you in your unemployment? Yeah. You're good to go then. You're good to go then. There's nothing that can stop you. And you'll see the story, man. God will not share his glory with anybody. He's going to do it his way. So nobody's confused at the end of the day. Nobody wonders, was it the Lord? Was it the Lord? Was it? No, it was the Lord. The Lord built the house, man. The Lord did it. And the Lord said to him, verse 16, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then he said to him, if now I, this is Gideon talking, if I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart here, I pray, until I come and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. And so Gideon went and he prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from the ephah of flour and the meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in the pot and he brought them to him and under the terebinth tree and presented them. Listen, and the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of that staff that was in his hand and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. What? (laughs) Now Gideon has every right to ask for like some confirmation here. Like what? Hey, can we just make sure and seal the deal over a meal real quick? I'm gonna go get some food and you just eat it. Okay, it's called communion. He'd been convicted, which you gotta be convicted of your sins. The, the prayers went up and, and now the deliverance was there and communion was happening. This meat, this bread on the rock with the fire kindled together and this communion has to happen, this fellowship. There's so many Christians right now that, man, your communion with the Lord That's what's important. He wants your heart. He wants your time. I say this to myself. I'm I'm a pretty good guy, like pretty good. I'm not good, but I'm pretty good. You know, I'm almost good. You know what I'm saying? But the Lord doesn't really care about that. He wants Luke. He just wants me. He just wants to hang out. And if I don't give communion to the Lord and hanging out with him and eating meals with him, man, I missed out. Now, when Gideon prepared this food and gave it to Jesus and Jesus just touched it with the stick and it burned up. This was showing, this is so cool. This was demonstrating, this was so cool. This was exemplifying, listen, listen, that what God was about to do, he was gonna do with his own power. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? 
you can't just be touching stuff with a stick and it burns. That doesn't work, unless you're God. And the implication there, this idea of sacrifice, this goat and this bread, and the work done on the cross, that what Christ has done on the cross for you, it's not with you, it's for you. He covers you. God does things for you that you could never do for yourself. That's the rules. That's the offer. That's the deal. That's the good news. And here, Gideon, well, can I help? What am I? I'm I'm weak. I'm small. I'm nothing. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) I'll do it all. How about that, Gideon? How about I just do it all? I got to use you, though. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use the church. I'm going to use Christians. I'm going to use you with my son. My son is going to do it all, but I'm going to, I need you to prepare a meal with me. Commune. Guys, the last point that I want you to consider writing this stuff down. There's got to be conviction. Is the Lord convicting you right now? It took seven years for the children of Israel to get convicted. I pray you're convicted right now. I pray you feel bad about something just because the humble bumps, man. God wants to redirect your course. He wants to change your direction. Don't be going through this quarantine and shelter in place right now with your arms crossed trying to blame everybody else. God is convicting you of something. Let him do it and cry out to help and he'll bring the prophet of truth. He'll show you what it is and then he'll bring the deliverer, the sacrifice, the communion. Check this out though. It gets nutty. It gets next level. I'm gonna end with this thought, with this next portion. Then the Lord said to him, look at verse 22. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. He knew it was God. And so Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He thought he was gonna die because that's what the Old Testament says. And then the Lord said to him, he just found, the Lord spoke, peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. (laughs) So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and the place is called the Lord is peace to this day. And it's still an Ophrah of the Abizarites. Now it came to pass the same night. Whoa, this is cool. Same night. Let me just say this right now. Did you know that if you respond to God, God will guide you? If you are unresponsive to God, I just don't think he's gonna be guiding you. Not in the way you want. Not in the way you need. If he tells you to do something, you do something else or do something less, chances are his voice is going to become diminished. Gideon heard the voice of the Lord. He had communion with him and he began to obey. So what did God do? Gave him more commandments. You who are like me and you want to know what the Lord wants, you want to know what he's saying, do what he told you to do and he'll tell you what to do. It's just simple. Write it down, man. You who want to know what to do and haven't sensed his voice, you haven't heard him, he hasn't spoke to you, I'm just going to go out on a limb. It's probably because you're walking in disobedience of something. Well, that very night, God tells him what to do. He says, now it came to pass that same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. Stop right there, eyes up here. Guys, this is like a scene from uh, Geraldo Rivera or something like that this is like a scene from a soap opera he says okay now here's what I want you to do go to your dad's house now I know he's got these like sacred poles by his house these astaroths and all these crazy things right by the by the sacrament by the altar of God and it's just crazy you got false gods and real gods and you know what he says to Gideon go deal with that get that crap out of here get it out of here deal with it you've been convicted cool you've had communion great now we're going to consecrate some stuff I want you to go take this bull. Interesting, how old was the bull? Seven years old. That means that bull was born when the Midianites took over. It had been there since the beginning. Where was he supposed to go right when he was supposed to tear down the first stronghold? His dad's house. His family. 
see, a lot of us use excuses like, well, I was born this way, or this is what we do, or I'm Irish, or, you know what, I was dropped on my head as a kid, or whatever. And the Lord says, you know what, I love you, but it's time to break down some strongholds. It's time to consecrate. Enough's enough. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to take you places. I'm going to use you. But let's clean house first. Take this bull, this seven-year-old bull, axe it. Set it up on an altar that you make from the wood of these false gods. Look at verse 27. So Gideon took 10 men and from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Stop right there, eyes up here. That's the last verse. We're going to jump into this next week. This is so exciting though. This is the story of Gideon. The story of deliverance for the children of Israel. The story of rebuilding, of God's forbearance, of God's disciplinary action, of God shaking them up in order to wake them up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. In order to make them up to do work because he's going to take them up. This parallels every generation, especially ours right now, that here we are in this season and God wants to convict you that's just what he's doing right now. Don't worry about the government. Don't worry about how bad they are and what the president's doing and what the governor's doing and what your teacher's doing and what your spouse is doing. <laughs> don't, worry. don't get mad at your pastor, what he's doing. You know, it's so easy to get mad at people. Just worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. And let the Lord work on your heart because the Lord wants to deliver you from yourself before he uses you to deliver others from themselves. And have that communion with the Lord. Get tight with him. If you're not getting closer and tighter with the Lord right now, I almost said something that would be really offensive, but I'm going to say it anyways. If you're not getting closer with the Lord right now under house arrest, you, you don't even deserve to go back into public fellowship. You know what I'm saying? Why would you even? Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. He said, you guys do your religious stuff all day long thinking that you might find eternal life. But the religious stuff, the Bible, the scriptures, that's what speaks of me. And I'm right here in front of you and you're about to kill me. Jesus wasn't impressed with religious people that went to church every day. Okay? He wanted people that loved him. Let that conviction okay, lead to communion. If you're not communing with the Lord, I'm not tacking just cracker and juice. You should be doing that too. I'm, if you're not communing with the Lord and connecting with him, we, don't go any further until you do that. Get on your knees and repent. Tell him you're sorry. Go on a walk. Just touch, touch, touch the hem of his garment. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm all messed up. I'm all messed up. He knows. And then the Lord's going to reveal those areas in your life that need to be consecrated. Deal with them. Don't make areas and provision for sin to fulfill it, but instead take care of it. Guys, God is doing something right now in the church. I am so convinced that while the coronavirus is part of the fallenness and brokenness, part of the curse of our world. It's not from God. But God takes all those things that are for evil and he redeems them for good. He is working all things together. And right now, 25 or less, in your life group, in your watch group right now, or all by yourself, wherever you're at, don't miss the message of the prophet of truth and the grace and mercy of the Savior. I'm gonna say a prayer right now. I just wanna ask God to seal the deal and settle all this into your hearts and minds and prepare you to see the deliverance can't you guys wait to get out of your house and get back to church and do stuff? There's deliverance is coming, but it wasn't just overnight. Wouldn't it be awesome if Gideon said, Lord, abracadabra, you know, and just did it? That's not how it works. It's a process. The product would be full deliverance, full restoration. And that's what we're hoping for. 
Let's pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word, for Lord, your ability, your power, your steadfastness, your faithfulness, your plan, Jesus, that you have given yourself over to this world as that sacrifice, that you will do it all, that Lord, you're the only one, the only savior, that Lord, we can trust in you, even in the midst of our own weakness, as Gideon rightly said, he's the weakest in his tribe and his tribe's the smallest of all. Lord, you said, I know. And so God, here we are in our weakness and in our impoverty and in our messed upness. And Jesus, we ask that you would be honored and that you, Lord, would be blessed and that we would be cared for. And if you're at home watching right now, I just wanna give you an opportunity to do three things, to be convicted, to go into better communion and greater communion with Jesus and to consecrate those areas of your life over. And if that's you, if you need to do those things right now, in Jesus' name, humble yourself and raise up your hand right now as a cry out to God. You're crying out saying, Lord, convict me. I'm not worried about the president or the governor or my pastor. Convict me. Here am I, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And Lord, draw me into greater communion. Raise your hand if you need greater communion. You love the Lord. You read the Bible, but you're not touching base with him. You need communion. Or raise your hand if you need that that consecration in your life where there's areas that need to be taken care of. Lord, you see the hands that are up right now. And I raise up my hands too in Jesus' name. Would you convict me? Lord, would you do a work in me? And Lord, would you make that communion that you and I have greater? Would you help me, Lord, in my areas of weakness? Lord, would you show me? Just show us, Lord. You told Gideon what to do next. You gave him the next step. Go to your dad's house. Take this bowl. Tear that down. Set this up. Offer this off. You, you, you told us what to do. As a matter of fact, if you're willing to do this, you, your hands are down now. Put your hands down. If you're willing to just say, Lord, show me what to do. What areas need to be consecrated? You, you don't need to raise your hand, but would you just nod into that and say, yeah, yes. Yes, Lord. Show me. And Holy Spirit, would you show the church the areas that need to be consecrated, consecrated, take, set aside, holy, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Lord, would you do a mighty work? Lord, and I would just say, I'm so sorry for who I am naturally. My sin is offensive. Lord, it's not the Midianites' fault of, for my pain. It's my fault. I've done things, Lord. And I pray for your mercy, your grace, and your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for South Beach Church and for everybody watching online. I, I, I thank you for the church, the kingdom of God. Would you anoint us and bless us? Would you make us peacemakers? Not rebel rousers and the rest, but would you make us peacemakers? Help us to be like Jesus. Help us to have that eternal mindset for our temporal journey. Lord, we love you so much. We pray your mercy upon our country, upon our nation, and upon our world. Would you protect people from the coronavirus? In Jesus' name, we just ask for a miracle, Lord, eradication for this virus. Just let the, the flatten that curve and let it just get flat, flat. And we pray for our county, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over our body, mind, and spirit. Protect us. Give us wisdom beyond our ability. Lord, help us to know what to do, what not to do. Mask on, mask off, Lord. Where to go, where not to go. When to open, when not to open. Lord, would you show us and guide us. Bless the other churches, Lord, as they navigate these waters as well. We love them. Lord, we pray for all those who've suffered, who've lost, Lord, who are dwelling in caves like in our story today, the high schoolers, Lord, that don't get to graduate this year, and the things that are just taken away from us. Would, would you, Lord, in that uncomfortableness, do a deeper work in us that, Lord, we might 
see you work through us. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for all you've done. We trust you to do even more. Use us in the meantime. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Guys, gals, keep reading. Read through this story and get excited about what God's gonna do and we will jump back into Judges chapter six, finish seven and eight. We're gonna go fast next week. It's gonna be legit. Other than that, God bless you guys. See ya on the other side. 